Scream. Run. Hide. It is the time of absolute terror. You will have a baby, a monster, an evil monster conceived in your womb, as big as I am small and possessed by the devil himself. The devil within her. She believes her child is possessed. Yours is the professional practices exorcism. Not since Rosemary's baby, conceived by the devil. Devil within her. Rated R. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Film and Water Podcast. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly, and it's time for another drive-in double feature. So that means sitting in the front seat with me is always my pal, Max Romero. Hi, Max. Hey, Rob. Hey, Rob, did you know that when I was born, I was an unusually large and strong child? I heard that. <laughs> I heard I heard that. that happened. You heard you were quite a lot of trouble for your parents. Yeah. Uh, yeah this, we're, the theme for this uh, installment of Drive-In Double Feature is The Devil. Something covered very heavily, especially in 70s films. So Max and I, we thought to talk about two films that uh, feature the Satan, Old Scratch, uh, the 45th President of the United States, whatever you want to call him, uh, in various <laughs> different ways. Uh, the two films we're going to be talking about are 1975's The Devil Within Her, starring Joan Collins, and then 1977's Alucarda. Whoa. Um, but <laughs> before we get... <laughs> Wow, there's a lot to say about Alucarda. Uh, but before we get to the, the, the movie specifically, Max, I have to ask you. Uh, Satan, pro or con? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, see, my question – I'm going to take your question to, <laughs> as you're asking me as a cultural artifact. <laughs> sure. Okay, go with that. And I'm going to say pro. Um, and I, actually, I was going to ask you about this too because I don't know how how you were raised in terms of uh, religion or anything like that. But I was born, uh, well, not born. I was raised in in a mix of uh, Methodist and Catholic households. Oh boy! And yeah, yeah. And uh, the Catholics, man, they do a number on you. They sure <laughs> so, do. Um, I grew up with a healthy respect and fear for for uh, the devil growing up, but also, you know, like you mentioned in the seventies, it was everywhere. I mean, the, it was, everything was about the devil and possession and, and that sort of thing. And so it was this weird balance of fear and fascination. And, and today the, the devil and themes of Satanism and that sort of thing. It's one of my favorite things in, especially in movies. Yeah, I agree. I've always been fascinated um, by cults, specifically movies yeah. about cults. And uh, of course, cults aren't specific to Satan worshipers. I mean, that's generally what you think of, but I mean, there's, there was like Jim Jones, and, you know, there were cults all over the place. That is always fascinating to me that you can get uh, so many people to buy into something that on the outside, you're like, that's crazy. You know, like, how do you, what, you know what I mean? And I've never been, I don't think a particularly persuasive person, you know, like I've always been like trying to get people to do certain things and I can't get anywhere. There's been, <laughs> there's been people, I can't get them to watch like a movie and I'm like, let alone being like, Hey, why don't we like go kill a bunch of people and then drink Kool-Aid and die? And people are like, yeah, sounds good. You know, I'm like, I just, it's fascinated by that. So, yeah. uh, obviously, yeah, the seventies as, 
um, you know, we were the America was coming out of the '60s, and the sort of cultural norms that had existed had just been shattered in every way. And there was this real, there was you know, the satanic panic. Right. Uh, it was this idea that like if you weren't careful, your children were going to fall to this. Uh, you know, we're going to pr- pr- fall prey to you know some satanic cult. And yeah, I grew up Catholic, and yeah, they were big on the whole Satan stuff. No, no doubt right. about it. I. As a kid, I never bought into any of it, so I just didn't – it didn't really have a lot of a res- resonance with me. But mm-hmm. the idea of people throwing in with Satan is always terrifying. Like that ending of um, Rosemary's Baby where yeah. you've got all the all the old people yelling, Hail Satan! It's like, that's <laughs> terrifying. It's just terrifying. <laughs> Still so, one of my favorite scenes. Oh, man. Yeah, just, yeah, but you know, I mean, it's it's funny because today, you know, I'm I I'm agnostic, but I still cross myself when I go into a church. <laughs> wow, know? interesting. Things like that. it's just it's it's um it becomes ingrained, you know, and I'm conscious of it, but you know that um all those lessons, and it's not like I went to a fire and brimstone kind of church or anything like that, but it still becomes such a you know the, part of the church, part of the way the Catholic Church worked. For me, the way I worked, I went to it was that God will save you and the devil will damn you. And the devil was always after you. And I think that's part of what makes these movies work so well. Because like you said, you know, in, in the, in the, in the U.S. In the, at the time, the um, things were changing. And I, I guess people felt kind of like, you know, thing, they were losing something. Mm-hmm. And, and it made sense that people would put the devil in the place of something that was kind of faceless and in, and, and that they thought was taking away their culture and their children and everything that used to be, you know, and I can, I can see where, where people, especially if they were religious, were thinking, Oh, it's the work of the devil. And yeah, you know, and like you were saying, it started probably maybe with Rosemary's baby. Cause that was, that was what, 1968, you know, and then you had the exorcist and you had the omen and, you know, and all sorts of th- Movies that were ripoffs of those, and you know, I, I when did the, the Satanic Bible came out? Sometime like around the same time, I think. I think so. Yeah. You know, and you know, Satanic Panic and Dungeons and Dragons, and then later uh, heavy metal <laughs> music. You know, all that stuff. You know, it was it was just permeating the the culture, and it was um, it was a really interesting. <laughs> it was an interesting time to be a kid. My favorite data point about. The Exorcist, when you mentioned it, it was that Warner Brothers released that movie on Christmas Day. I, can you imagine a movie studio nowadays going so far out of its way to insult a massive number of people like that? I mean, yeah, I, I, when I read that, I was like, I can't believe a studio ever would have done that. But they did. In the uh-huh. 70s, it was, you know, you could get away with it. So it was yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just amazing. So, yeah, the two movies, like I said, we're here to talk about are The Devil Within Her from 1975 and 1977's Alucarda. Now, everybody listening to this, we're gonna co- I'm going to cop to this right at the beginning. Because when Max and I picked these movies, uh, neither one of us had seen either one, right? You had not seen either one of these films no. when I assigned, when I said I was going to do Devil Within Her. And when you picked Alucarda, you hadn't seen either one, right? No, I'd heard of Alucarda, but I've never seen it. Okay. I had never seen either one. So I didn't know what we were uh, in for. And that's part of the fun of this is just sort of picking something and saying, oh, let's see what happens. Okay. Devil Within Her is not a good movie. Uh, in any stretch of imagination, it is not a good movie. We're going to cover it. We're going to give it its due diligence, but it is not a good movie. Alucarda is a fucking masterpiece. Oh, my God. And it is one of the best experiences I've had watching a movie in years. And so I am dying to get to Alucarda. So we are going to kind of give – like you said, we're going to give Della within her its due, but we're really – 
chomping at the bit to get to Alicarta <laughs> because sure. it was unbelievable. So let, let's get right to The Devil Within Her. As I mentioned, from 1975, uh, the, the movie was released under – it is known as uh, – under several different titles. It is, uh, it's on Amazon Prime as The Devil Within Her, but it is also known as Sharon's Baby. Uh, subtle. Uh, I don't want to be born. It lives within her, the baby and the monster. So they were just desperate to get people to watch this goddamn movie. No pun intended. Uh, they were just like, just name it something. Can we call it Star Wars? Can we do that? I don't know. Like, we just need people to see this movie. Uh, all for naught, uh, basically, because the thing was basically a bomb when it was released. It was ridiculed as the as the, the 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 bad movie it was and it basically just disappeared. So anyway, the plot is such. Joan Collins plays Lucy, a stripper who performs an act with a dwarf named Hercules, as you do. One night Hercules puts the moves on Joan, uh Lucy of course really, which she rejects. After getting roughed up by the stage manager Tommy, who is messing around with Lucy, Hercules puts a curse on Lucy, claiming that she will have a baby and it will be a monster. Possessed by the devil himself. <laughs> Months later, Lucy has married a wealthy Italian businessman named Gino. She gives birth to a 12-pound baby with the help of her doctor, played by Donald Pleasance. The birth is a difficult one, and soon after delivery, the baby seems to attack its mother, scratching her face with his sharp fingernails. Once home, a series of strange occurrences take place, all centered around this newborn. Its nursery somehow gets demolished. The housekeeper claims she gets attacked by the baby. And later, during a stroll in the park, a nurse that Lucy hires to take care of the baby ends up drowned in a lake. Gino's sister, a nun named Sister Albana, played by Eileen Atkins, investigates and sees something is very wrong with this baby. After Gino, Dr. Finch, and then Lucy end up dead, Sister Albana performs an exorcism. As she puts a crucifix to the baby's head, many miles away, Hercules, the dwarf, falls over dead in mid-performance. Okay, Max, the <laughs> devil within her. Directed by Peter Sazdy, who actually has some genuine... Uh, horror credits to his name. He did think movies like Nothing But the Night, Countess Dracula, Taste the Blood of Dracula, uh, the Pio Zadora movie, The Lonely Lady. Um, he also did something called Doom Watch, which is actually going to be the name of my rival Doom Patrol podcast that I'm going to be <laughs> launching soon. Uh, so he actually has some genuine horror credits. You know, Countess Dracula is a good movie. Taste the Blood of Dracula is a good movie. But this this is just a stiff uh, I, I think basically. I mean, do you do you agree when you when you watch it? Was that your reaction? Uh, you know, this is not a long movie, but it feels twice as long as it is. It sure does. It, um, you know, and when when you when you first suggested this movie, I was pretty excited about it because you know it's it's John it's a young John Collins. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, Donald Pleasance. You know, there's some there's some names in this movie. Yeah, it's a real cast. Yeah, it's a yeah. real it's a real movie. It's a I mean, the real cast. You know, and they yeah. had a budget clearly. Yeah. Exactly, you know uh, George Clayton, who plays uh, you know the, the little person Hercules. He was an he was an Oompa Loompa. For he was an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> you know? So you know, I, I had high hopes, but but wow, this movie is just it it's it's almost more about London in the early seventies than yes. it is about you know a devil baby, and yep. and that's that is just a, a lost opportunity. Yeah, I mean, my original note, actually, my single note uh, when I first was putting this together was <laughs> your, single, your single note. My single note was padded. And yeah. I was like, well, all right, we can't get to Alucard that fast. So I got to come up with a couple of things. But it really is, for a movie that is like 95 minutes, it does feel like it is, as you said, twice as long. I mean, they're just, there's so much footage of, of London 
as it looked in 1970, which is which is not um, uh, uninteresting. I mean, you know, I love movies from the 40s that show like New York or Los Angeles because you're like, wow, I'm getting to see a city as it looked, you know, in a time that's that's gone. But I mean, you know, the B-roll footage once it once it hits like 10 minutes of B-roll footage, you're like, all right, I kind of yeah. get it. All right, already, you know. Yeah. Um, Joan Collins is very sexy. I had kind of forgotten. How much of a horror star she was. I mean, she has a lot of horror credits from the 70s. She, of course, was in Tales from the Crypt, which is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. She's in a movie called Dark Places, Tales the Witness Madness, Fear in the Night. So, I mean, she was uh, she was kind of like a big scream queen. And it was sort of funny. I mean, most people probably from our age and, and maybe a little older think of her at, from Dynasty. That's really her main right. credit, you know. But – uh, she was like, you know, a genuine movie star. At least they were trying to make her movies. She starred in kind of like like softcore porn films too. Not softcore porn, but like like uh, you know, kind of like sex comedies and stuff. She did, yeah. I think, the movie called Homework. Um, so and, I mean, she, and, you yeah, know, those were those were a thing during the seventies too. So yeah. yeah, right, exactly. Um, but the the problem with this movie is, first of all, they never explain. Not that this is a huge problem, but it's 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 confounding to me why Hercules the dwarf has the power. To damn a baby. Yeah. He's not – they never talk about that he is like a member of a cult or he's a Satanist or he's got some particular in with the devil. He just – it's like why does does this dwarf have the ability to do this? So when you – when he first says it, you're like, all right. Like – yeah, and then I kept thinking they were going to explain it. Right. Like, like, oh, he is – you know, he's something. But no, he's just – like this dwarf that's part of a stripper act. Like, well, all right. And, and later, when they show him, you know, I expect him to maybe go to like I don't know some sort of cult meeting or mm-hmm. something. But they just kind of show him, you know, walking the streets of London, doing his, you know, doing his bit. Almost, it was almost like the curse was like an afterthought to him. I don't think. Yeah. It was. There's nothing about Hercules to tell you that he has any kind of power, I guess, other than the idea that that because he's a dwarf, you know, that makes him somehow like inherently evil, which is, you know, messed up. Yeah. But, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's all I can think of, even though to give this movie some credit, I don't think they ever actually talk about him being a little person. I don't think they ever no. mention it as, you know, something like, oh, you know, ooh. Well, like, he is dressed in a jester's costume, though. Which, he is. You know, his, the indignity is a little <laughs> running a little high. There. Yeah, exactly. Um, he is dressed in a tuxedo later, but <laughs> but the, um, but he um, when when he's when he is groping um, Lucy, you know, she when she's describing it, she never says like, "Oh, it was gross because he's he's a little person" or anything like that. It's it's just unwanted. It's it's creepy yeah, because right, it's some right. guy, you know trying to to get in on you and you know and you know i appreciated that but other than yeah like you're saying there is no basically he gets mad and he it, it's the same as if i yelled at someone i put a curse on you you know i don't have any power to put a curse on anybody <laughs> you know why would oh if only max oh if only <laughs> if only you know so yeah i there's I don't know. There's a lot of things about this movie that don't really make sense, except that maybe Joan, you know, so, so Joan Collins' character, Lucy, like you said, she was a former stripper. She, uh, basically hooks up with a rich Italian guy who knows her past and is completely fine with it. And so she's living, she's living the high life now. She got out of, you know, stripping and, and having to do that sort of thing. And, and yeah. And, and so she basically gets pregnant right after, Right, because when Hercules hits on her, it's the day before she gets married. 
right? I th- I think so. Yeah, but even though she sleeps with her with her manager, her, yeah, her manager, right? Right. Because there's a scene later on where she suggests that maybe it's the manager's baby, and he's like, it is, "That's that's not my baby." Like he you know, yeah. tells her to go f off. Basically, he's yeah. a real jerk too. So. He's a real jerk. But luckily, the baby who is apparently incredibly strong. Uh, to just whap someone right in the face. Yes. <laughs> you know? I mean, and he's, his nose is bleeding. He's just, this, this is a strong baby. See, that, 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 that is the other problem with, the, well, there's so many problems with this movie, but <laughs> that is one of the problems with, with this movie is that babies uh, are not inherently terrifying. So oh. you keep cutting to the baby and they play their wah, 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 music <laughs> and you're like, it's just a baby. And it's, it's a just cute a baby. baby. It's just a cute baby. Right. They couldn't even find like an ugly baby. They found like a cute baby. And so it's like – like I mean look. OK. I get it that like – because initially you see something's wrong when they when they try to get the baby christened and the baby like attacks the, the guy or the, 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 the guy. Excuse me. Attacks the priest. <laughs> the guy. Sort of, the guy. Whatever the hell is. Now I know what that guy is. But I mean it's sort of funny because you're like, look, I, I understand the baby is maybe cursed. So maybe he's got some supernatural powers. That he's got like some strength, but he's still just a baby. Yeah. At a certain point, he can't cause that much trouble. It kind of reminds me of like the movie um, The Frogs with Ray Milland, where <laughs> all these frogs cool. start attacking, and, and all they can do is cut back to footage of frogs, which are just not inherently terrifying. <laughs> you know, maybe if you saw a thousand frogs outside your house, it'd be scary, right. but just f- B roll of frogs is just not scary. And so they keep trying to show this baby. And they, they want you to be freaked out by it. And the baby, of course, has no – you know, the baby is just – doesn't even know it's in a movie because it's, it's an infant. Think about it. There's a guy like our age running around who was the baby and the devil within her because oh. this baby's probably like two. Yeah. And and the, this movie's made in like 74. So he was born around when I was. So yeah, there's a guy yeah. my age who's like, yeah, I was in that movie, The, the oh. Devil Within Her, a.k.a. Sharon's Baby. I was the baby. By the way, this movie was retitled Sharon's Baby. There's no character named Sharon in this movie. Oh my god! I didn't even realize that. Yeah, there, her name is right. her name is Lucy. It's not Sharon, <laughs> so I don't even know what that's about. You mentioned the husband Gino. It's played by Ralph Bates. Uh, this was his first non Hammer horror film. He has a long career with Hammer horror. He was in Doctor Jekyll and Sister Hyde, The Horror of Frankenstein, Fear in the Night with Joan Collins, Taste the Blood of Dracula, directed by Peter Sazzy. Like I mentioned, he died at, at only fifty one, so he did not have a, a long career. He's he's fine in the movie. Um, him and Joan Collins have a a, a sex scene which is ridiculous yes. in how padded i mean there is no reason for the movie to stop dead cold to watch these two go at it no. there is and you even see joan collins even gets topless in it which is like mm-hmm. wow what a sacrifice she made for this cruddy movie it's like there's i mean i enjoy a good sex scene like anybody else but it's like the movie is not informed by the sex scene like there's nothing about it that makes you say oh now i'm seeing their relationship differently or they're doing like it. It really the movie just stops for a good three and a half minutes to watch them, f- you know, fumble with each other, and right. then it goes back to the plot. And you're like, what was the? So they had. I feel like they had like maybe forty five minutes of movie, but they couldn't. You know, they're like, well, we got to make it a good running time, so we're gonna do ninety minutes. So it just, it just pads it out. There's all these scenes with with Doctor uh, the Doctor played by Donald Pleasance. By the way, in the credits. It says guest star Donald Pleasance. Oh, wow. I will die on this hill. You cannot have a guest star in a movie. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> Movies, by their nature, are one off productions, even right. franchises. You can. There is no regular cast of a movie. 
every person in the movie is in that movie for that one time. So you can't have a guest star in a movie. That's impossible. I hate that credit. It drives me nuts. If Donald, if Donald Pleasance wanted to get special credit, get get and Donald Pleasance or, you know, with Donald Pleasance or something. But no guest stars. Now, uh, the other cast members, it's, I mentioned there's Eileen Atkins playing the uh, the sister Albana. She was in – she's been in a ton of movies. This is actually the, near the beginning of her movie career, and she really did quite well for herself. She was in Gosford Park, Cold Mountain, The Robin Hood with uh, – with, uh, oh, shoot. What's his name? Uh, the guy from Australia. <laughs> Russell Crowe. Oh, Russell Crowe. Uh, yeah, Equus. She's in a movie called Scenes of a Sexual Nature, which sounds like something Laura Gemster might have been in from the previous <laughs> Driving Double Feature. So she's, she's fun in it because she's like the only one who's kind of really taking this seriously right. from the beginning. Uh, and it's sort of funny, like we talk about how the, the, the dwarf has, you know, weirdly strange powers. In all these movies, nuns are like super powerful. Like oh, they're yeah. like practically, they're like a cross between like James Bond and like Zatanna. You know, like they have <laughs> magical powers. And she's taking all this seriously, which I really like. And then the other person I needed to mention in this movie is Caroline Monroe. Yeah. One of my childhood crushes, Caroline Monroe, is in a basically thankless role as oh Lucy's God. Lucy's friend, who she goes to see a couple of times. It really doesn't add anything to the plot at all, but I'm still happy to see her because she's Caroline Monroe in the 70s, which was about as near physical perfection as you could get. Yeah, I, but, oh man, what a waste, though. What a, yeah, what a waste nothing. of Caroline Monroe. No, I mean, she's just... No point to her in this movie. Yeah, no, there's the... You know, and that's the thing about this movie. It's, it's, it's um, the... You know, the, the interaction with Carolyn Monroe, the sex scene that just is kind of just dropped in for no reason. I mean, yep. they, they get drunk and horny, basically, is yeah. what happens. Yeah. And, and you know, this movie, the the worst thing about this movie is that it's supposed to be a horror movie and it has absolutely no tension at all. No, nope. no. Nope. And every time it goes to the friend Mandy, who is Carolyn Monroe, or the sex scene or anything else that is not you know, the baby killing somebody, there is no, you know, the, it just, it takes what little tension there is and it stops it cold. Yep. Yep. You know, yep. but yeah, cause I mean, Carolyn Monroe as Mandy is basically just the friend who may, mainly is on the phone. Yep. <laughs> mainly talks to, to, to Joan Collins's character on the phone and says, Oh, I can't come over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What was the point of this conversation? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And Donald, Donald Pleasance is Donald Pleasance, you know? And so he, you know, he brings that vibe. And I have to tell you, part of what helped me get through the movie was thinking, okay, I'm going to pretend that this is a subtle intro to Donald Pleasance's character in um, the Halloween movies. Oh, he's Dr. Loomis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, spoiler alert, Donald Pleasance gets it too before the movie's over, but for a while yes. that's what I was thinking. Okay, he he is he is the doctor from Halloween. Ah, that's fair enough. He moved over to England. He, he moved from England, he got a psychiatry degree and he took he yeah. he uh, yeah, he started uh, researching the evil. Uh <laughs> I you mentioned George Clayton who plays the Hercules dwarf. I have to mention his other we said of course he was in Willy Wonka. I have to imagine if you were a dwarf actor in the 70s and you didn't get Willy Wonka, just give it up. You know what I mean? Like you know what I mean? Like every it's like the Wizard of Oz in 1939. You got here's your moment. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um but he was in other Hammer horror films. He was in Twins of Evil. Uh, he's in Berserk with Joan Crawford, which oh, is wow. a really fun movie where she plays a, a circus owner. Because who doesn't look who doesn't look more like she owns a circus than Joan Crawford? <laughs> um, she's in a movie. He's in a movie called Born to Boogie, and his his character as uh, as listed on IMDb is the dwarf eater of cars. 
Wow. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I really want to see Born to Boogie now. Uh, and behind the scenes, I mentioned the director, Peter Sasty. This was, film was written by Stanley Price, who wrote other films like Shout at the Devil with Roger Moore, which is actually a really fun movie, Arabesque. And um, he also wrote another movie called Gold. And this this is a movie I'm going to have to see at some point, not to get too far off Devil Within Her, but Gold stars Roger Moore. It's an action-adventure movie, and it's directed by Peter Hunt, who directed On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Huh. So, like, that – I mean, I, 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 I would imagine if Gold is actually a good movie, it would it would be available at some point. Yeah. But it, nevertheless, I mean, it's a – you know, one of the – the director of one of the best James Bond movies is directing an adventure movie with James Bond. Yeah. You know, one of the – my favorite James Bond. So I really have to see Gold at some point. So that's Stanley Price. And then the story – is from someone named Nato DeAngelis. This is his sole story. I imagine Nato DeAngelis' note was, let's just rip off Rosemary's Baby. That's my note. That's that day, you know. Here you go. Thank you. Here's your right. check. Right. Uh, you know, so you mentioned the deaths. Uh, this movie takes way too long to get to any, like, really bloody deaths. The, the, the nurse, I mentioned, she gets cocked in the head and falls into the water and drowns. That's kind of a dull, cold, dull, dull sort of death. But then at the end, it really starts ramping up because Gino gets killed. Yeah. Um, he gets hung. Uh, somehow the baby dangles a noose around a tree, and G- Gino really helps the, the the baby out by sticking his head in the noose. Practically, I mean, they yeah. really they really told that actor <laughs> Ralph Bates like just kind of pretend, grab the octopus and throw it around, pretend like it's gravity. You know, I mean, he really had to like put it around his own neck, and then it hangs him. And then Donald Pleasance gets it. He gets a I think he gets a spade uh, right through the neck. With his uh, head comes off. A, uh, he gets, a few times, yeah. Yeah, a few times. He gets killed. So, and again, I mean, I understand. It's a baby, and, like, the baby's got satanic power, so it's super strong. But, it, like, when they realize you can't show the baby doing these things because it would be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So you're just having to, like, just see this stuff come out of off screen, and then the, the person dies. And then poor Lucy dies, which yeah. is a shame, too, because, I mean, you're like, boy, you know, she's nothing wrong with her. So it – there's not even any like really great kills until the very end. And by then you've already sat through 90, 89 minutes and you're already like bored to tears. Yeah. And then I will, I will say that that ending, uh, if, if the whole, if the entire movie had been that last 10 minutes of the movie, it Mm. might've been a better movie because that's, that's when the baby is coming after Joan Collins and, and she's freaking out and she's saying, but I'm your mother, I'm your mother. And, and she does a good job of that. And, and then, uh, the the sister um albana sister, sister albana, albana yeah. um you know kind of does an exorcism even though i'm not sure who she's exercising <laughs> she's, well she's exercising the devil the devil's inside the baby but but it's also affecting hercules because when she does it hercules dies yeah i know yeah i, and, I, I yeah I, but you know but anyway that's that's kind of a that's kind of a good scene and then it ends yeah and you yeah. know mercifully for we're all put out of our misery at that point uh, yeah, I, it, it really is just it, – it's it's a cheap ripoff and despite the cast, I mean, again, you just go through – I mean, that that's why I picked it was I was like, oh, wow, look at this. Joan Collins, Caroline Monroe, Donald Pleasance. Like that's a great group of actors, you know, and yeah. it just sounded like – and even though I knew going into it, it was clearly just a ripoff of Rosemary's Baby. That doesn't mean it's a bad movie. You can rip a you can rip a premise off and do it well. Yeah. You know, and and so I was like, okay, I'm I'm on board. But I was so bored mm. during this movie. I just started watching it, and my my attention drifted. And I am I don't know how you are Max about watching movies at home. 
I really try hard to not like get my phone out. Yeah. You know, yeah. I never get it out at a movie theater ever. Mm-hmm. But at home, I try I try not to even do it at home right. because I'm like I'm trying to I'm trying to engage with the movie. You know, I'm I, I got you know the least I can do is pay attention. But I have to say by about the 30 minute mark, <laughs> I was like, what's well, okay, what's going on here, you know, cuz I was just there's nothing much to pay attention to and yeah. it is it is just sort of padded. So it's it's a shame because you know we like we pick these movies and we're hoping that even if they're bad, they're fun mm-hmm. in their own way. Like all the other you know stuff we've like Invasion of the Bee Girls. Like I, I don't yeah, can't yeah. argue that's a good movie, but it was fun. <laughs> this is just kind of a, a slog. If you're a fan yeah. of this genre, uh, it would be fun to watch just because you're seeing some really great actors you know in the '70s, kind of in their prime. And Donald Pleasance is fun because he's always creepy, right. even when he's not trying to be creepy. Right. He's creepy. Yeah. He can't help it. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I can't. I can't really recommend this this movie really to much of anybody unless you're really bored. Like maybe say you're living through a quarantine and you have things, you need things to watch. <laughs> you know, the only people I can really re- recommend this to is hardcore John Collins fans. Like if you, if <laughs> is that you, a thing? <laughs> it's got to be a thing. There, right. There's, you know, if you grew up on Dynasty and you just love Joan Collins and you want to, you know, somehow, you know, latch on to everything she's ever made, then yeah, watch this. But otherwise, it's it's a safe pass. Yeah, and she's fun. I mean, I like Joan Collins in in horror movies, like Tales from the Crypt. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Like yeah. she she does the original and all through the house where the, she gets chased by the killer Santa. That's a great. Right. I love that thing. So I mean, I like her, and she was fun on. She was in Batman. She was a villain on Batman. I like her in that. She was in a Kenneth Branagh movie called A Midwinter's Tale. She's fun in that. So I like her as a performer. Right. Uh, and I even watched Dynasty as a kid. But yeah, this 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 doesn't give her much to do and. And then around her, there's just not much of interest either. So I, I think I think we can wrap it up here, especially when we have something so much more fun to get to. Oh yeah, yeah, soon. yeah. Just so. let, me, let me say one more thing. It's it's sure. funny though that you mentioned that the uh, that she's not given much to do because she also has is supposed to carry the entire movie. It's this movie right. is all about her, right? And and yeah, and just yeah, it just doesn't go anywhere. No, it doesn't. So, yeah, it's she's she's it's the way uh, Mia Farrow carries Rosemary's Baby. Uh, Joan Collins, yeah. is, you know, she's really sort of stranded here by the script and Peter Sazzy's direction, or whatever. So, okay, we've oh, already given. Thing, one more thing. One oh thing, yes, one okay. Thing. I'm okay. Sorry. Yeah. You know what? I have to wonder. You you mentioned Rosemary's Baby, but I also kind of wonder if it's a ripoff of, of one of our favorites. It reminds me a lot of It's Alive. Uh, yeah, it does. That's yeah. true. Killer Baby. Yeah, a Killer Baby. But you know, they made it cute. <laughs> No, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a killer baby, make it ugly like it's alive. Exactly. You get, right. It's a, that, that that baby is perfectly. Yeah. It is hysterical. I was really just watch, rewatching it as we're sitting here, and the the scene where the 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 nurse gets uh, falls into like I love because there's just this little single shot of this little baby hand coming up and pushing <laughs> yeah. her into the water, and it's like come. On, it's just really funny. They're trying so hard to make it look scary, and you're like, oh look at your little baby, and then and then the woman's like, ah, and she falls into the water. It's, <laughs> It's not a good movie. So, okay, everybody, we're going we're gonna to wrap up uh, the first half of the show. We're going to play some podcast promos. Uh, Max and I are going to go get a snack at the concession stand. And when we come back, oh, boy, strap in because we're going to talk about <laughs> 1977's Alucarda. Stay tuned. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. 
The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hey there. Welcome to the Mirror Factory. I'm the foreman, Max Romero, so let me tell you a little bit about what we do here. The Mirror Factory is a podcast where we talk about your favorite passages from novels, novellas, and short stories. Each episode features a different guest, who will tell us a little about the book their passage is from and why it means so much to them. Then that guest will give us a special reading of their favorite passage for our listeners. If you think you'd like to be a guest on the Mirror Factory, drop us a line at Factory Mirror on Twitter, The Mirror Factory on Facebook, or at mirrorfactorypodcast at gmail.com. The Mirror Factory is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Oop, time to get back to work. Until next time, read a book. We shall make a pact and seal it with our blood. We will make them pay. <laughs> you are correct. We shall make them pay. But first, some rain on Sunday! All right, and we're back. Uh, Max and I are back from the snack bar. I love these pretzel bites. So uh, we're here to talk about <laughs> the much more engaging second half of this double feature, the 1977 Mexican production, Alucarda. So, Max, uh, why don't you give everyone the laydown on what Alucarda is all about? I will do my best. Uh on a dark and stormy night in 1850, a woman named Lucy gives birth to a daughter in the crypt of a long-abandoned palace. Accompanied by a hunchback gypsy, Lucy begs the hunchback to take the baby to the nearby convent because she fears the devil will come to claim her daughter. As the hunchback flees into the storm, a demonic voice booms throughout the crypt, and Lucy dies. Years later, a teenager named Justine arrives at the convent, dropped off by her newly widowed father, who believes she will find the peace and guidance her mother would have provided. Justine is to share a room with Alucarda who has lived in the convent since the night of her birth and her own mother's death. Alucarda takes an immediate and intense interest in Justine, and soon the two are declaring their dedication to each other. While walking in the woods one day, the pair comes across a gypsy camp, seemingly run by the same hunchback who was there the night Alucarda was born. He offers to sell the pair an amulet while a fortune teller hints at Justine's future, which is full of shadows. The hunchback ends up giving Alucarda a dagger, Later, Alucarda and Justine stumble upon the ruins and wander into the crypt. There, Alucarda declares her love for Justine. Justine is surprised by Alucarda's forcefulness, but eventually admits to her own feelings. The two promise they will always be together, even in death. They unwittingly open the crypt of Alucarda's mother and are suddenly overwhelmed by a supernatural force. Later, Justine faints during Mass, and after that, the pair complete their blood pact, somehow encouraged and overseen by the demonic hunchback. You, using the dagger to draw blood, the lightning-filled sky turns red as Alucarda and Justine swear allegiance to each other and to Satan. Soon, the pair are giggling during Mass before launching into blasphemous cries exalting the devil and setting off a battle between the demonic influence of the Hunchback, the loving sister Angelica, and the convent's frightened nuns, and the initially skeptical, skeptical Dr. Ozick. Before the story ends, they will all learn that even death is not enough to break the girl's pact. All right. 
well, okay. I'm going to say right, uh, and uh, I, I have a, I have my 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 opening statement has two parts. So let me finish. <laughs> that description does not do justice to Alicarda, but I'm no, no, going no. to say no description can do justice <laughs> to Alicarda. There is no way to describe this movie that is going to absolutely make it sound as good as this thing is. I watched this movie, Max. On a lazy Sunday afternoon, I was like, <laughs> okay, it's on YouTube. It's Mexican production, but it's they're speaking English. It's, it's an, Yeah, it's an English language. English language Mexican, Mexican production. production. Yeah. So I sat and watched it. The movie's only uh, 78 minutes. Yeah. Uh, uh, and this movie just got crazier and crazier and crazier until about, I think, around the 45-minute mark. I literally texted – Max, I was like, holy fuck, what is this movie? <laughs> this movie is so much fun. It is so gleefully, wonderfully offensive in mm-hmm. every conceivable way that I was like, how have I not heard of Alucarda before this? <laughs> I loved this movie. It is the best movie we have done in these drive-in double features. It, I, I, I agree, yeah. I literally immediately went to Amazon to buy this movie on Blu-ray, and unfortunately it does not exist on Blu-ray, which is a oh. damn shame because this thing the, – the version we watch on YouTube is, is you know crappy because of the, the mm-hmm. pictures. But I mean this thing is a – it's like a masterpiece. I mean it's like a absolute masterpiece about – it is simultaneously a cheap exploitation movie – but it's also got really something to say about the tug of war between modernism and religion. And I can't, I mean, the director of this movie, Juan Lopez, and how would I pronounce his last name? Juan Lopez, is it Montezuma? Montezuma. Montezuma. The guy's last name is Montezuma for Pete's sakes. (laughs) I mean, this is a movie with, with nuns, with nuns with period blood, Staining well, it, their staining their is, garments. It is classic nunsploitation. Yeah. It is a nunsploitation movie. It's got burning crosses. It's burning got people. burning people. <laughs> it has uh, lesbian ritual blood sacrifices. It's mm-hmm. got the hunchback, as you mentioned, which is like I yep. just. By the way, that's the same actor that plays the doctor, yeah. which is a fun thing that he's playing yeah. both roles. Um, I mean, it. This movie. I, Reanimated corpses. I, I, I'm uh, sorry. I'm I'm talking too much. You go ahead, Max. Because no, no, I, I will always owe you for introducing me. To this movie. <laughs> no, I completely agree. There's no way to describe this. You people, I'm I'm just going to say it now. Stop what you're doing and go watch this movie. Yes, because there is no way that I can fully encompass what this movie, what happens in this movie. I would have to go scene by scene describing it to you in detail. And and just just you might as well just watch it because there is the acting is is fantastic. Um, Tina Tina Romero as as Alucarda and she, she also plays her own mother in the opening scene. That's your that's your mom, right? Tina Tina Romero. That's oh, your mom. oh man, you know if it is, mm, happy Mother's Day, Tina Romero. <laughs> 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 because you know she um, she goes from a dark. Uh, you know, kind of goth girl vibe in the beginning to completely unhinged in like <laughs> n- in no time at all. 
<laughs> the minute she meets Justine, she is all in on Justine. You are oh. my best friend forever. She's giving her like the amulet. All that. I mean, she takes the Justine like white on rice. I mean, it yeah. is unbelievable. And, it is and, intense. And yeah. it's it's sort of funny because Tina Romero is is. I, and I want to be. I want to make sure I'm I'm careful about what I say here because I don't want to sound like a, a dick. Tina Romero um, uh, is uh, not. Uh, I'd say not like classically pretty. Um, she's kind of got like a more plain girl end. She's kind of like an evil Gilda Radner. She's kind of got that energy going on. <laughs> uh, Susanna Camini as Justine is gorgeous. Like oh, you could beautiful. see why you would fall in love with this girl. But it's sort of funny that they don't give you any idea of why Justine falls for – like why she goes all in on Satan with – with Alucarda so readily, like they just, yeah. they go to the, they, they go and they frolic out in the woods and they see a funeral. There's that big scene where they see this, right. this funeral and everybody's in these black robes, but it's like, they never really fully get why. I mean, you don't get the sense that Justine is like abused. I mean, yeah, she's an orphan and that's difficult, but it, it's sort of funny that like it's, they just get right to it of like in a movie that's only 78 minutes. They don't have a lot of time. Uh, to screw around. They didn't have, you know, B-roll of uh, London to insert in this film. So, uh, by the way, this movie features uh, somebody named Lucy giving birth and Devil Within Her features somebody named Lucy giving birth. Um, we, we didn't plan that. But, I mean, it's like I, I love how quickly the girls adopt the Satan lifestyle. Like immediately, oh, yeah. and it's it's so fun to watch because then they are just offending these nuns. By the way, the costuming. What is mm-hmm. with the nuns? They are dressed like the mutants from beneath the planet of the apes. They what are. is that about? They are. Yeah, the 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 nuns and they I mean I don't know where they're supposed to be exactly, but it's obviously the middle of nowhere. <laughs> because like, they're the, they're just rolling hills, uh this this the ruins of this palace. This convent and, they stay in looks like land of the lost or something. Like yeah, there's it's and, all and the dirt. Convent, yeah. which, yeah, and the convent seems to be, you know, what, 95% underground? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the chapel itself, which is a horror show. Oh, my God. It's a Hieronymus uh, Bosch painting, this chapel. Oh, my God. And that, that looks like it's in a cave. It's yeah. basically a cave. Yep. And, you know, it has it has the, the, the crucifix with Jesus, you know, on it, which is like the scariest Jesus you can have. But oh, you know what? dark, if, intense if you've Jesus. Ever, yeah. If you've ever been to Mexico, if you've ever been to Mexico, you have seen – Scary Jesuses. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know, that, that's not that. Old. But behind that, there's a whole carving in the in the cave wall of more people crucified. Yeah, there's. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a crucifixion convention. I mean, there's like yeah. a, there's like a hundred people dangling from crucifix. It is. It and they're all in black rope. Like it is. They they do. Not, it, it's a horror show. As you said, it is straight up a horror show. And I. It, like I said, it's like this movie is exploitation, but it's also like this director is saying something about the mm-hmm. church. There's no doubt. For sure. Oh, for sure. You know, and 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 he's. It's interesting because it's, it's like this push and pull between, uh, you know, like you said, modern modernity and uh, science and rationality, and you know, the supernatural. And what's interesting is in the end, both of them lose. Yes, you know they, you know the the religion and science both fail horribly <laughs> at the end of this movie, and um, you know it has a, it has something to say about about uh, you know love and and um, uh, just you know obsession 
and you know i even i think something uh, it even says something a little bit about the about innocence and how you know kids tend to be interested in in things like you know the devil and and you know the darkness of of life and yeah and they just you know they just go all in on everything i mean no, nothing is held back in this movie and, and it, it's funny because I, I was saying how quickly they adopt Satan, but like the movie itself kind of builds to a relatively slow pitch, and mm-hmm. that's fine for a movie that's only seventy eight minutes. That's good because you're not; it's not too long. But like the right. opening scene where Lucy, uh, Lucy gives birth in this weird crypt is mm-hmm. relatively restrained. You get the sense that she is giving birth in some sort of like cursed place because there's all this statuary of like goat people and and you know and you hear these weird it's obviously been abandoned for a long time right because there's cobwebs all over the right it looks like a set from Mm -hmm. an abandoned like lucio fulci movie um Mm -hmm. but then like when when alucarda meets the the hunchback uh and i mean he is again played by uh, claudio brooke who is i mentioned plays the doctor claudio brooke actually has some uh, i don't i don't mean to say that uh, i don't i don't mean to mean this in a pejorative but he has kind of like some real big Hollywood credits actually to his name. He was in Kronos, Exterminating Angel, The Bees, which, you know, maybe you don't crow about that, but he was in License to Kill. He's in License to Kill. He's one of the Timothy Dalton, John James Bond mm-hmm. movies. He plays, like I said, he plays the doctor, he plays the hunchback. The hunchback, he is so cartoony in this story. I mean, it is like Hansel and Gretel level cartoony because he's got this big fur coat and he's got this big yeah. bushy and he's got this beard that like got this kind of like uh, – this long beard that just sticks up from his shin and he's kind of like rolling around like Igor from the Frankenstein movies. And so in the beginning, it seems all kind of like, okay, this is dark, but relatively kind of um, innocent for lack of a better term. And it's Mm -hmm. only when they, when they have the blood ritual, which, which is gonzo because all of a sudden we got these two girls in a cave naked and the, uh, the hunchback cuts uh, either cuts their breast with a knife and they drink blood off each other. Right. And I will say the hunchback showed to restraint, not getting involved with the two girls. I have to say, <laughs> if I had, you know, you know, I, I love that scene because, well, first of all, you know, the, that scene kind of begins in their room because Justine and, and Alucardo share a room. Right. Um, and Justine has fainted at, at, at mass and she's in her bed and Alucardo's taking care of her. And, Alucarda just starts going on about how, you know, how they're going to pay. And I'm not even sure who is going to pay for what, (laughs) (laughs) but it doesn't matter because they're going to pay and they need to finish the blood ritual. And, you know, of course they use the dagger that the, that the, uh, that the hunchback gave them. But before that happens, Alucarda goes into this kind of whirling Dervish. Oh, she's gone. She's gone completely loco. Yeah, screaming at the top of her lungs. Screaming, uh, calling for the devil, uh, you know, calling for vengeance, and just—I mean, it is a masterpiece from, from from Tina Romero. I mean, she, you know, like you said, you know, she doesn't have a lot of credits here in the states, but she's pretty well known in Mexico. Actually. She's still she's working done, today. She's she's on a she TV is. show apparently right now, which is she's good on for a her. comedy show. Yeah, she's on a comedy show. Yeah, she's on a comedy on on, on uh, Spanish language Comedy Central called Ana. Yeah, and good she's um, yeah, you know, yeah, she's still working, and um, you know, so she is just all in on that scene and it is frightening because she is just spinning around she's shouting and screaming and then you know the 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 hunchback comes out of the shadows and and the room becomes a cave 
And that's when you realize, well, shit, the, the hunchback is the devil. Because, you know, he the whole time he kind of looks goat-like and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But you kind of realize, you know, that he has been, you know, because the, the mother at the beginning is worried that the devil is going to uh, come for his daughter. Not realizing that he already has. That mm-hmm. she hands the, her baby over to the devil. Mm-hmm. And um, that whole scene is just amazing and there's only one other well no that's that's not true no 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 (laughs) i was about to say that's the only scene that matches it but there's at least two other ones oh oh yeah that that uh that are on that level and that's just what this movie is like i mean it is i'm not gonna say that there aren't some plot holes uh like you said it's a trim 70 something minutes and so it you know it moves fast um but it all it all works together and you don't need any of that. All that is just fat. <laughs> you just, you, this this movie has everything it needs. Uh, speaking of trim, this movie has a lot of nudity in it. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, there there there's an orgy scene uh, with a lot of nudity. I mean, I, I mentioned this on Twitter. I said I haven't seen this much bush since Platoon. I mean, it is just. I mean, it is astounding. I mean, I not to not to tell tales out of school, but when we were watching the movie. There's this, there's, I mean, and it's seventies, you know, yeah. so yeah. take that for what it means. Right. Um, uh, but I mean, I, I will say I, when I was watching the film and they're doing the blood orgy sequence and there's this profile shot of Alucarda fully naked. And, and I, I happened to just point out to my girlfriend, I said, you know, her, when you're, when you're, when your pubic hair reaches out past your face, like in terms of how far it goes out, like things have gotten a little out of hand. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, this, this director, Juan Lopez Montezuma, I mean, he is just so gleefully going after all the sacred cows of, of what people uh, held dear. I mean, in this movie, I mean, it, this movie would be a great double feature with Ken Russell's The Devils, which is another nunsploitation movie and features yeah. nuns doing insane things and, and crazy. And it, it, it just fit because it's both movies where it's just somebody just like, yeah, I'm trying to offend you by going after the most holy images I can find and just sort of just r- rubbing blood all over them and dirt because I want to reveal how empty they all are because it's like, okay, yes, obviously Alucarda has gone completely loco. Uh, I mean, you know, there's this scene where where the nun is teaching all the girls, uh, you know, they're doing like religion class. And then both, you know, Alucarda is whispering in Justine's ear and and the nun's like, Alucarda, can you repeat what I said? And then they start going on to this whole rant about Satan. And of course, the nuns are horrified. But the the way that the church, this church, the convent decides to deal with Alucarda and deal with Justine is to put Justine on a gibbet. And basically torture her to death. And so right. it's like, okay, obviously Alucarda is is doomed because she's throwing in with Satan. But what is this church offering her? It's a, all it's offering her as a way to, to, to get her out of this is to inflict more pain, more viciousness, more cruelty. And you're like, well, yeah, no wonder she's turning against the church. Because who wouldn't want to turn against this church? This church looks like something out of a David Cronenberg movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and even then, the... Um Earlier, when when once once the convent realizes what's going on, because they they haven't they decide that the there there's a, a the the priest and uh, who d- decides that oh it's there's um you know the, these these children are are possessed you know F- Father Lazaro you know these these children are are possessed and and the first thing they do 
is, you know, first they cry out and they're scared, but then they start self-flagellating mm-hmm. and like just ripping their, you know, their backs and they're praying and all this stuff. And it's very interesting because Mexico has a complex, Mexico is a deeply religious, mostly Catholic country, right? And that informs a lot of the culture in Mexico. But they are also very much um, invested in the idea of a separation of church and state. Um, they're very much in ter- uh, invested in the idea of a, of a, of a religious freedom. Um, and that tension, I, I mean, this is, I mean, it's English language, but this is a very Mexican movie mm-hmm. in terms of how it's relating to, to you know, the the... In, in Mexico's history, when they when they became uh, a modern country, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, they, when they started leaving behind the agrarian lifestyle and all, all that stuff more, and became more of a modern country, the Mexico and Mexicans are very proud of that of that moment in their history, mm. and you can see that tension in this movie because it is the past and the future, and and what's really interesting is like like I said before, in between. You know, there doesn't seem there. It's like the the question is not answered. You know, right? It's, yeah. It's it's very much like you know, here's the past, here's the future, but you know, there's still this slice that we can't understand and may never understand. And and you know that that um, I keep saying tension, but you know, again, that that push and pull of it is very much on display in this movie. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I, I like Claudio Brook as the doctor. He looks really cool. Uh, I love mm-hmm. he he kind of looks like a cross between Robert Ryan and like Robert Mueller. He's kind of got that look, <laughs> and he has this badass black cape that he yeah. wears. He looks really, and I love it when he shows up to the when they're when they're torturing poor Justine, and he because he has a blind daughter that he leaves right. with the convent, which is not a good idea. But yeah, he Daniela, leaving, yeah, yeah. Daniela, and he leaves with her, and I love when he he stumbles into this this ritual and he's like, what is this? Like, he's like, you know, and you feel like he's the only person in the movie that's kind of like, you know, like living in the real world where he's like, what are right. you doing? What are you, this is crazy. You know? And, and of course they, they killed Justine. They basically just bleed her to death. Now, of course he's dealing with 18, he's dealing with 19th century medicine. We, there's a scene of him putting leeches on Justine. Right. So, I mean, obviously, you know, that that's fault or all, but you know, for, for what they knew of the time, I love the scene where he's doing the research and he, he's got a book and he opens the book and the book apparently is just called Satan. I love that. And he looks at it and then he, he reads a few pages and he goes, ah, rubbish. And he throws it away. <laughs> that was great. It's like, that's how I feel about religion in general. I just go, ah, rubbish. And throw it away. Um, that'll see the scene where, um, Alucarda has the confessional with the priest who you oh mentioned, God. and she is yeah. going after and she reaches through the little whatever that little partition is mm-hmm. and grabs his crotch, which is fantastic. And he's <laughs> and he's like pointing at her, he's like, get her out of here. And he's like, they're they're all so it's it's funny because it's like this is this church, and they're all full of these people who are supposedly very devout believers, and they look mm-hmm. very strong, and yet they are afraid of this like 90-pound girl in right. a black dress. You know, right. like they're they're like, cast her out. And it's like they don't even really try to see what's wrong with her or no. they just bear like, let's just torture them to death because that'll get the devil out. And you're just yeah. like, well, of course you'd throw in with, if you have no other alternative, of course you'd throw in with Satan because he, <laughs> he's saying that he loves you. These people are, are these, these people are going to torture Justine to death in front of right. you. They're going to rip off her dress. But by the way, another 
you know, creepy oh, yeah. feature is that it has to be <laughs> nude, of course, that she's na- – and, you know, it's funny. I always wonder about, like, what are movies like when they're, like, not shooting? And I'm like, what was it like <laughs> to shoot this movie? You know, yeah. when you've got these actresses trussed up on uh, – as I said, trussed up on gibbets, fully nude – getting poked with fake knives and bleeding out. And then it's like, what did they do when they were cut? And they like all standing around the craft services table. If there was one, like (laughs) what was that shoot? Like that would be fascinating to know. Yeah, no. And you know, and that's, that gets back to what you're saying too, because the, the symbolism, I mean, it's not just what they say because, and, and believe me, they say some blasphemous stuff in in this movie, but also, you know, when, when, um, when Alucarda and, and Justine are, are are trussed up, you know it's they're right in front of that um, that altar that we mentioned with the with the crucifixions, and you know the the symbolism is undeniable. It's you know they're they're also being crucified, and Justine, the way they're bleeding her, I guess, is they're they're jabbing her with a with a blade in different parts, you know, which goes back to the whole story of Jesus. Yeah, it is this this movie is. It's it's trying to say a lot. It, it's saying a lot. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And before we even get to the bonkers ending, I mean, as, as crazy as this movie gets, I mean, the, the, the lesbian blood ritual scene is 24 minutes into this film. So mm-hmm. it doesn't waste a whole lot of time. Um, but I, I, I did – I really need to mention the other films by this director, uh, Juan Lopez Montezuma. He only directed a handful of films. I, I read in his right. IMDb profile that his father wanted him to be a judge. Well, that didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> uh, he directed movies called House of Madness. I haven't seen any of these other movies, by the way. House of Madness, yeah. Mary, Mary, Bloody Mary, which also features Susanna Kimini, who plays Justine in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he did another movie. <laughs> he did another movie called To Kill a Stranger from 1984, which features the greatest cast in the history of films. <laughs> so, um, Max, I'm going to read the first four cast members and then you'll get to the fifth one because that's okay. that's the one that really is makes this movie special yeah. so i you know I, i'm i'm looking through imdb and i'm kind of like oh this guy's interesting he's kind of like a uh Hodorowsky. you know he's like a low budget mm-hmm. Hodorowsky. and i'm like i like Hodorowsky's movie so okay so to kill a stranger what's this about and it's a movie about it's a it's a it's a thriller it's a crime drama i'm like okay cool looking at the cast angelica maria i don't know really who that is but okay fine dean stockwell all right donald pleasance good aldo ray very interesting. And then, of course, the fifth person in the movie is... Sergio Aragones as Major Keller. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? When you, you sent me this, and that was my exact reaction. <laughs> what? I, uh, how? What? Why? Why is Sergio Aragones in a movie? Uh, apparently he did two other... He did one other movie called Norman Is That You, which was a comedy with Red Fox. So we, I, we have got to see To Kill a Stranger. We, I, yes. That is just, we've yes. got to see. My eyes bugged out of my head like Large Marge in Pee-wee's Big Adventure <laughs> when I saw that Sergio Aragones yeah. is in To Kill a Stranger. But so that's that's a that's a, that's a driving double feature for another day of this film by Jose Montezuma. So about being on set, what, what was that like? Oh my God! Can you imagine? <laughs> hey, draw, draw me a doodle, Sergio. Here you go. He's drawing these little things in the margin on the script or whatever. So all right. So Alicarda, we get finally to the the end of the movie with the the poor Justine and just this poor actress spends a lot of time buck naked. I mean, mm-hmm. man, that's got to be. I hope that set was 
warm, you know, because it just looks really uncomfortable. So, okay, so so they separate Justine from from Alucarda. Justine dies, and they put and then okay, and then there is this blood ritual where they have this other body where they chop the head off of this. Uh, I believe it's a nun because the nun is tr- trussed up in the. In well, the, there the, there is a there are a couple of people because they're so they they put. They put Justine's body in the crypt. Right, 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 so, right. So, you know, good idea. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> and and um, then they find uh, a pile of ashes, and they figure out that that is um, the remains of one of the nuns. Right. Okay, right, right, right. And then another nun dies, and the father says, tells everyone, get out. I have to look at the body. And and when that happens, so they're they're gone. And then they hear because the body looks burned but not completely, and they and I think someone says it's hellfire, and they, and so the, the the priest is there with the body by themselves and they hear screaming, they run in and the the priest is whacking the head off the body, oh. which is which is struggling, which is struggling to blood to, is spurting to, out. Yes, and he is. I mean, he's going at it like it's a Christmas ham. I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, it takes like three or four whacks to get that head off. And yeah, it is just amazing. Yeah, I mean, right. And then we're like I said, they're really kind of now it's turning into the the Grand Guignol kind of thing, where it's just mm-hmm. incredibly bloody. And then uh, Alucarda, they go to Alucarda, and Justine gets they bury Justine in the crypt, and she is bathed in blood, and she emerges out of this coffin bathed in blood and she attacks this nun she goes after the nun and again there's this whole scene of this this poor actress Susanna Kamini buck naked but covered in blood yeah, chasing yeah. after the nun and murdering her and again you're just like this boy Montezuma man he is just going for it <laughs> and i want to i want to clarify something cuz she's not just she's not just like covered in blood when they when they take the lid off the crypt she is literally in a bath of blood yeah, she's immersed in blood she's yeah. immersed in blood yeah. and she rises out of it uh you know back from the dead and it is a beautiful scene oh, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I love that scene that is such a classic horror scene and it you know i've seen a lot of horror movies in, in my day and but that to me was just oh I, I was already in love with this movie, and that just sealed the deal. I mean, what a, a great, great scene! And then the doctor, and she is, the doctor she is shows perfect up. In it. Yeah, she's great. The doctor shows up, and he starts throwing holy water on her, mm-hmm. and that's burning her. And even in her death throes, Justine chomps a big bite out of the nun's neck, which is fantastic. Right. She totally turns into a zombie at that point. Now, right at that point of the movie, it's only got ten minutes. Again, I'm just amazed if just this actress. Walked around completely naked, covered in blood. I just like yeah. it. Just seems like such a rough shoot. So uh, the body decays uh, into a skeleton. We see that, That's, which is a nice effect. It's a dissolve, and she turns into a skeleton. She turns into dust. So then they find Alicarda, and now Alicarda has gone completely cuckoo for cocoa puffs, where right. she all of a sudden sort of develops the powers of Carrie, where right. she can immolate people with her mind, and she starts setting priests on fire. And mm-hmm. you, you, they're running and around nuns. this crypt yeah, and nuns and they're running around this crypt and she drops the chandelier on them. There's this huge chandelier that falls very like playing in the, like a family opera. And 
Alucarda is standing on this cliff face, uh, this ledge, and the, she's got this underlight, and she's completely like, ah! Yeah. And she starts just blowing up priests and nuns, and we literally see these actors just go, fwomph! And just and then they're just running around screaming, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" They're just like, "Let's just burn this mother down!" Literally, like we're gonna have a gonzo finale to this movie. Yeah, yeah, and it's I wow, I I can't even (laughs) you know I'm picturing it and I can't describe you know because it's that it's that cave like um, uh, chapel. Alucarda is is on a is on a raised kind of stairwell. She's she's with Daniela, which is freaking the doctor out because right. that's his daughter. Um and uh and she she's kind of latched onto Daniela because Daniela is kind to her. Um and but I think Daniela falls down the stairs, right? Yes. And yeah. she and 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 dies, which really sets you know uh in slow Alucarda motion off. she falls down the steps. Yeah, me. yeah. And and Alucarda just loses it. She finds out that that uh, Sister Angelica has has died because this is that's the sister that Justine uh, basically takes a bite out Take of. Take a bite out of. Yep. And Sister Angelica was the only one who cared about about Alucarda, and so you know it's just one trauma on top of another. And yeah, and she just and then she's screaming and. Priests and nuns are bursting into flames, and you know, and it's not like they oh they burst into flames and then you know they disappear. They burst into flames and then run around the place, <laughs> right. completely engulfed in flames, screaming at it. You know, it is other priests and nuns are trying to run away, and they you know with just a look, they they burst into flames. It oh wow, it is just. It is, uh, it is, you know, you could just see that when, when Montezuma was, was, you know, mapping this out, he was like, yes, yes, this is going to be my big finale. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, I love it. When the, the one priest comes in and first of all, all the priests in this movie are in black robes, which is such mm-hmm. a creepy thing. Like, why are they all dressed like that? But I love when the well, one priest comes in and he's got the cup of holy water and he starts throwing it at Alucarda yeah. and she just raises her hand up and, you know, does like a whole Jean Grey thing where it just stops the, the holy water, like in mid, yeah. in mid throw and turns it into flame and then yeah. shoots it back at him. And he's like, and you know, this movie ends. <laughs> this movie ends with a giant crucifix burning. Yeah. And over the end credits <laughs> is the sound of the wood burning. It yeah. is literal. I mean, again, Montezuma is like, F all he is, here we go. You know, and it is just, you can't. And I am, I am, I'm kind of amazed that Alucarda, as an image, did not become more famous in the annals mm-hmm. of horror because she's got a very simple image. The poster is very simple. It's just this black and white drawing of this girl with this very grim visage. Right. And she's all got the black hair and it's like, she's in the black robe. Like I'm kind of surprised there isn't more iconography in the horror circles of Alucarda because it seems like it's, it's made for that. It's, it's made for a DIY kind of aesthetic where you can make an a la carte t-shirt with very little work oh, yeah. because the colors are so – it's like, you know, like – and you could probably even – I mean copyright-wise, I don't even know. I mean this movie exists entirely on YouTube, so I don't know what copyright-wise you know, the deal is. But it's just – I'm just shocked that like amid horror mo- – you know, horror monster, Dracula or Jason or mm-hmm. Freddy or the, the, you know, the Hellraiser pinheads or uh, the Creature of the Black Lagoon, uh, why Alucarda has not – 
gotten more play in that regard because to me, she is like every anti-hero in a horror movie that you want. She gets revenge yeah. on all the people that have wronged her. All she wanted was to just kind of be in love with this Justine, mm -hmm. and everybody gets ruined because of it. It's just, right. it's just amazing. Right, yeah. You know, and it's, it's you know, if you, if you Google Alucarda, one of the first things that comes up is the movie poster. And as like you mentioned, it is a very simple, you know, it's just, it's Alucarda, almost, you know, just her hair blending into her black uh, dress, white face, red background with a red upside down cross on her chest. Yep. And it is so striking. And you mentioned, you know, before that you, that uh, you didn't think Tino Romero was, you know, she's not, you know, no one's going to go, oh, you know, what a, what a beautiful woman. She's, you know, I, and I don't mean to say that she's, ugly. Yeah. she's not ugly at yeah, all. I, yeah, I didn't mean to say that at all. It's yeah, just yeah. that Justine is gorgeous. And you yeah, can see yeah. why. You could see why she would fall in love with Justine because Justine is just empirically very beautiful. Yes, yeah, yeah, but but Tino Romero, and especially in this in this uh, movie as Alucarda, she brings an intensity that you cannot stop watching. Yes, whenever she is on the screen, you are just—I mean, I was just riveted by her, you know. And she's just—you know—she has these big brown eyes and this dark hair. And like you said, her look is so iconic. It looks like dancing. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's just, it, um, it's such great casting, you know, and it's, and I, I say this once in a while for, for certain movies, but in this movie, I could not imagine, even in a remake, I could not imagine anyone else playing Alucarda the way she does. Yeah. Way, you know, I agree. Does. Yeah. I agree. She's got a kind of innocence to her. But yet she's, you know, <laughs> she's, she's the, you know, she's the spawn, not the spawn of saying, but she's born into it, basically, you know, mm -hmm. she's literally born in the script. We should mention, uh, just as we're wrapping up, this is based on a novel, uh, right. Camilla, uh, which was like the early, or the, which was like the early sort of vampire lesbian uh, kind of thing that, you know, obviously they couldn't adapt straight up in the uh, 30s and 40s. Dracula's daughter kind of did their own sort of version of it. But by the time you get to the 70s, you could do that. You could just go full mm -hmm. on. And I again, I'm like wondering, like, where did this movie play in the 70s? <laughs> did it play in drive-ins? Yeah. I mean, I just I, – I, I, I mean, I don't know obviously anything about the culture. But like I wonder, like was this movie considered – controversial like you know what did did this guy get in trouble for directing or for putting this movie out or or did it play in just kind of you know grind houses and where it, it met an audience that you know, very much accepted it i i think it had an audience in mexico i asked my wife who is who is from mexico um and she she was like oh yeah tino romero she was like wow. you know what are you what are you talking about yeah of course i know who she is <laughs> and because she like i mentioned you know she has had a career you know, yeah, she, yeah, she has, she's been on, yeah, she's been on in movies. She's, uh, in this, in the United States, probably her most well-known movie was witness. Um, she was in witness. Um, and, uh, Wait, was it witness or missing? Oh, missing. I'm missing. sorry. Yes, with Jack, yeah, with Jack Lemmon. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. That, that was the one Hollywood credit that jumped out at me. I was like, Oh yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, in that yeah, movie. Yeah. Missing. Okay. Sorry. 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 I always get those two mixed up. Uh, she, um, and uh, but you know most of her career has has been in Mexico and it's been uh, some movies a lot of TV yep a lot a lot of novelas which are you know the the Spanish language um, soap operas and that's that's mostly been her career but from what my wife has told me people Alucarda is a known movie at least in Mexico oh wow okay cool yeah all right and um, it, I don't know if people necessarily consider it a classic 
but it is not a movie that is um, unknown. Okay, well, that's good. All right, that's good for mm-hmm. uh, Juan Montezuma is no longer with us. He passed away in 1995, so I don't know if he ever got to kind of like really dine out on, uh, you know, I mean, the, the 95 right. is just really before the home video stuff. I mean, there was VHS, but I mean, it was re- 95 is just before DVDs and, mm-hmm. and stuff could get discovered. And so it's a shame that he probably never got a chance to see. You know, I know this was released on DVD by, I think, Severin Video, and that's out of print. Uh, but, I mean, man, somebody needs to get this on Blu-ray and do, like, a oh, commentary track. I mean, they, this needs to be done up because this is – I just was so impressed by this movie. You know, and T- Tino Romero and Susan Camini are still with us. There you, you go. Know, they're, they're still there. So, I mean, get them on a, on a Blu-ray oh. track. You know, that would be uh, that would be fantastic. Oh, my God. I would – oh, I, I – everybody <laughs> – Max and I got so excited. I dabbled with saying we really need to do a la carte a minute as oh, a wow. show on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I don't think we're going to do it because I only have so many hours in the day. Yeah. But I really – that's how much I love this movie. So it's I, like, I would. I yeah, would. I, it's, it's tempting because it's like I will say if you are – I mean look. If you're listening to this, I think – you know, I think, you know, what kind of movies you enjoy if you're listening to this in, in the first place. But if you are at all offended by sort of like religious iconography just getting dragged through oh, the yeah. dirt, I would not watch this movie. But if you enjoy rampant nudity, blood <laughs> rituals, Satan worshiping, nunsploitation, nuns having, as I said, their period blood all over the place. Uh, I, nuns on fire. Nuns on fire. People exploding. Uh, goat head masks, then this is your movie. And <laughs> by the fact that it's only 78 minutes, to me, it's like I, I love really short movies or really long movies. To me, movies that are in between tend to be too long. You know what I mean? But yeah. like I love that it's 78 minutes. I mean it's just boom, makes its points, and then gets out of town. It's just yeah. – it is – I am so, so glad that you picked this one because this – I feel like – I am like – my life is like – B A before Alicarda and A A after Alicarda. I really do feel that way about this movie. One of the amazing things about this movie is that you know, I mean, we we watch these movies and some, you know, and I'll say, oh yeah, I would watch that again. But I have already watched this again. I mean, I've I have watched this movie a couple of times since we since I saw it for this podcast because it's that kind of movie. Yeah, yep. it, it is. It is just I I enjoy it actually more. Than I did the first time, and I loved it the first time. It's a, you know. uh, I, yeah, I, I sat and I watched it twice. It is, mm-hmm. it's just a blast. It's just a total, total blast. And I did, I always know it's a movie I enjoy when I do a deep dive and I try and find out more about it. And there's like a, there's a video on YouTube. There's a guy, I'm blanking on his name, I apologize, but there's a guy that does like horror movie reviews. Mm-hmm. And if you actually watch Alucard on YouTube, it'll come up as like, you might like this as well. Because it's right. probably one of the few people talking about Alicarda, and he does like a little fifteen-minute video review of it, and he is similarly like impressed by it. Like, <laughs> oh my god, this movie is insane! So, yeah, yeah, it's it's it's. I looked up articles. Like, I I wanted to like mm-hmm. I wanted to bathe in the blood of Alicarda. Uh, oh yeah, really? Because it was. Oh, just, I, uh, I I tried to I tried to to stalk Tino Romero and <laughs> and, <laughs> and the comedian on on social media to see if they were around. Yeah, I mean, it was it's. Uh, it's something else. I yeah. mean, it's and when, once you see it, it's just if you are into these kind of movies, you're gonna you're gonna love this one. Yep, absolutely, straight up true. That is, it's yeah. just it's just oh, amazing. Just, just as an aside, in case you're looking for it and you can't find Alucarda, it's also called Alucarda la hija de las tinieblas, which is the daughter of darkness, uh, innocence from hell, 
and Sisters of Satan. Okay. All right. Yeah. So. I don't. I, yeah. I mean, it's funny that Alicarda is Dracula backwards. Like, right. I don't. I don't know what the connection is there, other than I think it just sounds funny. And oh, by the way, ever since I watched the movie, when I talk about it with with Kelly, I I can't just say Alicarda. I go Alicarda. I have to say it in that kind of like really dramatic way. So yeah, it is. It's just a blast. We've we've been talking about this movie uh, for three fourths of its running time. Basically, so it's a great, great it is. So, all right, we we're, we'll stop talking about Alicarda. We're going to move on to our feedback from the last drive-in double feature, which was film and water, talking about uh, Lar- the Galar Gimser films. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about these are the comments we got from the website, which is firewaterpodcast.com. So I'm gonna start off with Ryan Daly, of course, part of this network. He says, "What's the Patreon benchmark required to make Gimser cast as regular as Pod Dylan?" <laughs> All right. I don't know about regular as Pod Dylan, but for a regular Gemser cast, I would say we need to hit like I'd say six hundred bucks a month if we could do that. <laughs> I'd go for that. So, you know, everybody might want to open your wallets, you know, if you want to make this happen. <laughs> I'm just giving it out there. Uh Dr. Ange uh says uh the 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 the, the Ange is like, you know, our doctor, the way the doctor's in in Alicarda, he's our version here. And says, uh, if Gemser Christel, ah, rubbish. If Gemser, Gemser Christel is the Biden Sanders conversation, then Krista Allen is clearly Elizabeth Warren. That is, that sentence has never been said. That is to say, Allen is the Emmanuel candidate that smart people support. <laughs> okay, Ange, just putting it out there. I appreciate that. Well, uh, we have a, a comment from Matt Sura. Matt Sir Royce. Matt Royce. Uh, he says, I've never actually seen an Emmanuel movie. I had HBO but no Cinemax growing up. But boy, did Gemser catch my eye in Invaders of the Lost Gold. <laughs> As for Endgame, boy, do I love, love, love Italian exploitation films from the 70s and 80s. The alien ripoffs, the zombie movies, and the post-apocalyptic extravaganzas that jam-packed as many elements from other movies as they could. Absolutely. Yeah, I love all that stuff. I, yeah. I have never seen yeah. Invaders of the Lost Gold. I, I, I am a fan of Raiders of the Lost Ark ripoffs. So yeah. I, I probably will have to give that one a, a shot. And, and then Laura Gimster's in it on top of it. So it's perfect. <laughs> so uh, Robert Ward says, uh, to give credit where credit is due, using Emmanuel to tell you that it's a Laura Gimster film, whether her name in the film is Emmanuel or not, works, and I will watch any film with her in it. Emmanuel on Taboo Island is a great example of this. Why did I watch it? Laura. Is it good? No. It's slow and kind of boring, but it has Laura. If for any reason you enjoy Sister Emmanuel, you may appreciate to know that a year later, a Japanese film was made called Sins of Sister Lucia, which has a very similar basis about a wild woman forced in a nunnery and trying to seduce and corrupt everyone with the help of escaped convicts who similarly rape and convert everyone to their cause. I'm a fan of Roman porno from Japan. And what? I, yeah, I had to pause there and find them interesting, but they are almost always questionable and off-putting. Oh, who would have guessed? The, the similarities. What a surprise! The similarities truly surprised me after I watched Sister Emmanuel. As for Black Cobra, Black Cobra Woman, I haven't seen it, and I won't if it involves animal killings. Thanks for the heads up. Similarly, allow me to warn uh, that if there are any more Gemster films in the future, give another giant f you to Emmanuel Queen Bitch. I guarantee that it's beyond redemption allowed for a completely different reason. Go with the period piece from Demon Motto like the alcove or something, but just avoid Queen Bitch as if your life depends on it. All right. Thank you very much for the warning, Robert. I appreciate it. Uh, Mick says, Prism. Yes, growing up in southwest Philadelphia, my aunt and uncle who lived next door to us had Prism before our neighborhood was wired for cable. Much like Rob's dad, they got it for sports, but for myself and my brother and cousins, it was our gateway to boobs and sex. 
I didn't know, I don't know if it was ever chosen to watch a Laura Gemser movie, but I'm sure I've seen movies with her. Rob, I need to do a show with you dedicated to Prism. Though, uh, through this amazing cable outlet, I was introduced to boobs and sex, along with Superman the movie, Bachelor Party, Revenge of the Nerds, National Lampoon's Vacation, more boobs and sex, Jaws, and so many more. I can vividly remember bringing our VCR home, VCR over to our aunt's house, and Jerry rigging it so we could dub the movies onto tapes. I think that's how I got to see Eddie Murphy, Delirious. One of my best memories of watching Blue Thunder with my dad and having him tell me not to mention the scene where they eavesdrop on the topless woman to my mom. Ah, the 80s. Great show, guys. <laughs> Thank you, you Mick. You remember, do you remember that, Rob? Do you remember having to go from house to house carrying your VCR with you? I That I don't. No, I don't remember that. No. I, I, yeah, I, I remember doing that. With yeah. um, David Ace Gutierrez says... Um, I don't use these words often, but thank you. And this is a damn triumph. Lo- <laughs> loved this episode. But we can can we talk about Monique Gabrielle as Emmanuel? Magnifique. <laughs> I have to I have to admit I am not as familiar with Monique Gabrielle as I am with uh, Laura Gimser. No, I'm not. Uh, no, I actually really only know I only really know the two Emmanuels, which is Sylvia Christel and, and Laura Gemster. I don't know Monique Gabriel all that well, so we'll have to look into that. Maybe we'll yeah. another drive-in double feature. Uh, so <laughs> Gothos Mansion says, hey, Rob, if you like Anitra Ford, I do, uh, she is in Andy's first fictional movie, Stacy, and he provides a link to that. So, yeah, I will check that because I, I am in Anitra Ford. Holy, from Invasion of the B-Girls, <laughs> Hachi Machi. Ooh, boy. So. Uh, Robert Ward is back to say, since I suggested one film to stay away from, I thought I'd come back and give another little heads up for another. Mondo Macabro released a beautiful Blu-ray for Emmanuel in America, and yet we can't get a Blu-ray of El Carta. I know, what the hell? <laughs> I don't know if either of you have seen it, but if you're sensitive, you might want to know that there's not only some mock snuff, but also a scene where a woman centrally caresses something we're not going to mention here. <laughs> yeah, Robert mentions it in the comment, but we're not saying it on the show. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Woof. Uh, yeah. <laughs> use, your, use your imagination. Mm. Uh, Gotho Mansion said, if I were to pick my two favorite Laura Gemser movies, these two wouldn't be what I would pick. I, I cannot blame him. No. Uh, even though nuns are Catholic and my deeply religious upbringing was Baptist, I still feel the fire and brimstone whenever I see a beautiful woman dressed as a nun. That happened here with Laura and in spirits with Michelle Bauer. I think you hit the nail on the head with the other complaint. This is more a Monica Zanchi film than a Laura Gemser film. On the Blu-ray to Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals, where the two teamed up again, Zanchi admitted she had a crush on Mr. Gemser, Gabrielle Tinti. She said she didn't pursue him because she didn't want to cheat on Laura, but her attitude seemed to be, to me at least, that she could have gotten him had she pursued him. Come on, Monica, you're cute, but Laura is the one of the, is one of the reasons someone came up with the word perfection. <laughs> uh, he also mentions that, as for the Maura Chen billing in Endgame, Laura co-starred in a made-for-American network TV movie, Love is Forever, in which she co-starred with Michael Landon and Priscilla wow. Presley. Wow. Either the producer or director, I forget which, insisted Laura be billed as Maura Chen because he was hoping no one would recognize her from her erotic movies. According to a Laura audio interview, she didn't appear on camera, on one of the Blu-rays, he wouldn't even allow anyone on the set to refer to her as Laura. Jeez. Maybe Joe D'Amato thought anyone who discovered her on the TV movie and was bewitched by her magical charms and beauty would not know Laura Gemster but would want to see more Maura Chen. That's weird. That's yeah. yeah, that's that's bizarre. Wow, what a dick that director was. He wouldn't even refer to her by her name? Like yeah. what the hell's that about? Yeah, that's that's a I I know that I know that today, even today, uh it's very difficult for actors to make the leap from adult films to mainstream films. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean I could 
I guess I can see where they would want to just completely reinvent Laura Gemser, even though, I mean, how do you reinvent the wheel? Yeah, I mean, she's so <laughs> stunning, though. I mean, I, you know, it's weird. So, yeah, that's strange. Uh, Chris Franklin uh, from our network, of course, he says, Laura Gemser is a total blank for me. Not sure how I missed out. Uh, I guess because you had good parents, Chris. I think that's why. <laughs> uh, I guess her films just weren't readily available at that infamous video store that allowed underage kids to rent movies they had no right watching. I'm glad you guys covered these, so I would finally have some reference to a running gag on the on the very network that I'm part of. The Living Dead one would be a great Halloween-themed Gemser cast. Uh, I don't think I'm going to try and watching these with Cindy. I think Truck Stop Women Accords are slowly rebuilding <laughs> the fractured relationship between my most frequent podcasting partners, so let's not tempt fate. I think that's probably a good idea, Chris. Um, especially not at Alucarda. Um, so, well, I don't know. Maybe watching... Uh, I would love to know what Cindy thought of Alucarda. But well, she, she's into the Hammer films also, so, you know, that's... Okay, maybe so. Maybe House of Franklin can do Alucarda. Okay, well, uh, that's, for, that's, for, that's another conversation for another day. Uh, Gothos Mansion's back again. He says, Chris, read paragraph eight. Damn, that was a long comment of my comment. I don't think Erotic Nights of the Living Dead is a good movie for anyone to find their joy with Laura Gemser. And I would be entertained by a movie where Laura Gemser combed her hair for an hour and a half. If I had to make a list of the most beautiful actresses in movie history, not just B-movies, Laura would definitely be close to the top of the list. Uh, and then Diablo Frank shows up and he says, uh, I was going to say that my first Laura Gemser movie was Black Cobra Woman, which I saw sans the woman in the name at the invitation of my father. Whoa. When I was visiting one weekend in the late 90s or early aughts. I can't. I, okay. It went wow. something like, you ought to watch this one later. It's got Jack Plants in it. And in the end, they kill a guy by shoving a snake up his ass. But then. <laughs> oh, my God. And then another, another layer of the onion is peeled away. <laughs> the cat's in the cradle and the silver. <laughs> but, then, but then you reference the epic anticlimax of Endgame. I realized that I'd seen this terrible, boring movie on a little black and white television in a back room on KTXH20. It was a weekend afternoon in the mid-80s, and I was mostly, uh, it was mostly sand and laughable doubling that surely would have left my memory forever if not for the non-ending. It so perplexed me that a movie would just stop like that, I never forgot or forgave it. If this thing was released in 1983, the turnaround to basic television must have been whirlwind because I can't believe I had bothered with it past 1986 at the latest. Given the afternoon time slot, I figured the Blue Mutant rape was cut, so there's another reason why I wouldn't have remembered Gemser over a decade later. And he continues on because, of course, he does. While not in the strictest <laughs> sense an Emmanuel sequel, I think Sister Emmanuel not only works in the meta continuity of that non-franchise, but also serves as a commentary on white Emmanuel. After the bestiality and quasi-snuff ring uncovered in the notorious Emmanuel in America, our heroine is so spiritually broken that she escapes her past life in a nunnery. A girl very reminiscent of Marie Ange, the promiscuous teenager who initiated Emmanuel in her journey towards becoming La Ata Virgin destroys Emmanuel's bid for peace with an appetite for flesh as rapacious as one would expect from the Emmanuel series. In deleted scenes from Sister Emmanuel, deleted scenes, Gemster's character actually tortures Monica. The act arouses her from her dream vision and recalls the brutal extremes of Emmanuel in America. The meta text is that Emmanuel recognizes that darkness has infected her through her experiences and that she has to harness these black inclinations to combat the evil that men do. Sister Emmanuel is therefore something of an indictment of Emmanuel's libertine fantasy, an expression of Emmanuel Nira's uh, contempt for the selfish hedonism of her privileged white namesake. From here, the scale of harrowing nature of the Emmanuel Nira movies expand, although without the degree of emotional discomfort inspired by Emmanuel in America, even as cannibal tribesmen and prison violence enter the non-franchise, or 
Joe D'Amato was catering to kinks with any connective tissue entirely accidental. Your choice. <laughs> I think I think, think uh, Frank's got it right on the money there at the end there. So uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm going to go with the Occam's razor. Yep, yep. Ver- yeah, <laughs> So, well, I thank you, everybody, for the feedback. Uh, we were really excited to finally do GemsurCast, and we're glad that everybody enjoyed it. Uh, of course, you can find back episodes of the Film & Water Podcast on our network, which is firewaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you want to support the Fire & Water Podcast Network, go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can unlock various rewards one of which is being name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Neil Whitney for his support of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. And, of course, you, we're always talking movies on Twitter at Film and Water Pod. So, Max, thank you once again. This was a complete blast. I literally could not wait to talk about Alicarda. <laughs> From the minute I finished watching it, I was like, I cannot wait to do this record. So thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing this wonderful little demon girl into my life. <laughs> oh no, thank you. And it was it was hard not to talk about it. I wanted to pick up the phone and just text you oh, man. everything. But I you know wanted to save it for, for this. So you know, thank you for having me on. All right. Well tell people where they can find you here on our network. Uh, they can find me here on the network at it's uh, at Plasticast, uh, which is my Plastic Man podcast, and at the Mirror Factory, which actually has an episode on the schedule. Yay! So uh, if by the time this comes out, if it's not already out, it should be out soon. I believe it will be out just before this. So you have, everybody will be able to enjoy a new episode of The Mirror Factory, which I'm always very excited about. So that's very, very cool that we got that, that show back. And we will be doing another drive-in double feature uh, sooner. We'll be doing it before – we'll have another one out before you know it. But I don't know how anything's ever going to top a la carta, to be honest with you. But uh, <laughs> I'd love to find out. See if we could find out. I didn't, th- I didn't know a la carta exists, so who knows what else is out there. So, yeah, uh, yeah thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, thanks for the support. Thanks for enjoying, the, for enjoying these drive-in double features. Max and I are going to keep going. So uh, that's going to do it for now. And until the next episode, that's a wrap. A la carta. <laughs> and this is what the devil does. To beget his evil, he obtains help from our virtues. Even if the gain be small, his harvest is great. But God, in his infinite wisdom, understands the wiles of the devil. And so he gives us the strength to face them with noble thoughts and prayer. In this way, Justine, Alucarda, I trust that you have been listening. Yes, sister. Then you can repeat what I've just read. Well, Alucarda, stand up, child. And this is what the devil does. He grants us virtues to expand his kingdom, the only valid one.